1: 5 p.m. Thanksgiving Day, November 25th, the first of 5,000 ticket holders swept through the front doors. They gasped at the unexpected splendor of the hall. The guests enjoyed a full-course meal, eaten at rows upon rows of long tables, covered with white tablecloth, strewn with flowers, glowing with candlelight, and roses that were placed 16 inches apart. The diners consumed 220 turkeys, weighing 5,600 pounds. Ninety gallons of gravy, two hundred pounds of peeled yams, forty crates of lettuce, eighteen cases of cranberries, seventy bunches of parsley, five hundred pounds of onions, five hundred pounds of celery, two hundred and forty pounds of butter, three hundred and fifty pounds of croutons, five quarts of garlic, ten quarts of sage, one quart of thyme. There was also 20 gallons of apple cider for the vegetarians. There was also a special menu item of 300 pounds of Alaskan salmon, courtesy of Bob Dylan and Minnesota Lou Kemp. There was a cornucopia stuffed with six crates of fresh vegetables, 400 gallons of apple juice, and a dessert of individual pumpkin or mincemeat pies. As they ate 38 stringed instruments of the Black Tide Berkeley Promenade Orchestra played during the dinner allowing guests to waltz on the open dance floor. Three teams of professional ballroom dancers were brought in to encourage. Now backstage, there was a mix of emotions. Robertson recalled a quote, anxious, but ready Scorsese, and that each of the band members were calm and collected. Guests mingled and laughed, causing Lee Von Helm to question why there was no camera backstage capturing the scene. At around 9 PM, the orchestra left, And while the house lights slowly dimmed, a large curtain of shimmering confetti lit from all sides was let down in front of the stage. Chandeliers were then lowered to position above the stage, increasing the glow as they descended. Suddenly, in the darkness, a spotlight erupted on Levon Helm, who kicked things off at 9.07pm.
2: Good evening.
3: When I get off of this mountain, you know where I want to go, straight down the Mississippi River to the Gulf of Mexico, to Lake Charlotte, Louisiana, a little bicycle that I once knew she told me just to come on by if there's anything she could do. Up on Triple Creek, she sends me if I spring a leak. She mends me, I don't have to speak. She defends me, a drunkard's dream. If I ever
1: The whole song was tight and energetic. The band played with an intensity as if they were playing for their lives. Above all else, Cripple Creek was the most obvious choice for the band as an opener. It encompassed what the band was about, what it represented, and ultimately the group at their peak. Triple Creek featured some serious chops from every band member. Levon showed that in the first song, regardless of any background drama, when he sat behind his drum stool, picked up those sticks and adjusted that mic, he wasn't messing around. And without a second of delay came The Shape I'm In. And while Robertson recalls that Manuel's vocal performance was a bit shaky, the added grit and deep growl that Manuel now possessed from years of smoking gave the performance a rough and worn feel that makes it unique. Joe Forno, the future manager of the band noted, Richard apparently wore the weirdest threads to the show, hoping for the camera to stay away. But the camera and the audience couldn't help but find Richard with a vocal performance like that. This version of The Shape I'm In also swung more vigorously at the last waltz. The addition of horns in the intro and throughout the song gave it a new life, paired with excellent harmonies from Danko and Helm. And after coming out roaring, the band took it down and introduced us to our first Rick Danko-led number, It Makes No Difference. The song from their Northern Light Southern Cross album may have not gotten its due upon release. Danko takes it to new levels here at The Last Waltz, cementing it as one of the best band songs, but also one of Danko's defining vocal performances. Not only did Danko give one of the best performances of his life, but Garth Hudson and Robbie Robertson also showed up. First, Robbie brought in new sorrow to his guitar playing. Every pluck of the guitar strings rang out like tears. Paired with Garth Sax playing, an always pleasant surprise made the yearning number even stronger. song, Life is a Carnival, was played. The band showed us with this number while each individual member is special, together they are something even more. The effortless vocal trade-off and the harmony is a clinic in perfection.
0: I'd like to bring out some friends of ours to help us do a few numbers. The horn section, Howard Johnson, Tom Malone, Larry Packard,
4: Jim Gordon, Charlie Creel, Richard Coral, Terry Hay.
3: Look away.
1: Prior to the beginning of the song, Robertson noted the horn section on stage to the applause of the audience. The band was fantastic, yes, but the horn section that night helped take their music to the next level, and Life is a Carnival shows how strong the addition truly was. I
3: saw a man with a jinx in the third degree. The people, people that you can't see, take away, take away, take away, take away, it's a house of marriage, give away, give away. Give
1: the horns continued through a rollicking performance of This Wheels on Fire, a horn arrangement creates a far more robust introduction before being welcomed to the anxious embrace of Danko's lead vocal. Danko's voice is paired with the pounding of his bass guitar, giving it a magnetic groove. The chorus is aided by some magnificent harmonies with Manuel hitting the highest of highs, and Robertson gives us that remarkable solo as the brass gives us that cool backbeat. Now, The Last Waltz also brings life to This Wheel's On Fire. It can't be understated that the interplay between that horn section, Robertson's Stratocaster, and Garth's organ give the song so much more. And without missing a beat, that party kept on rolling on with W.S. Walcott Medicine Show. Adding new flavor to the intro, again it's worth noting that the new energy these songs possess were kinetic. W.S. Walcott Medicine show it might be one of the finest performances of the tune ever. Danko and Helm force their vocals out, almost as if they were spitting. This should be noted as a good thing though, and the horns are real champions of this song as well. How could they not be? The brain trust of Garth Hudson, Alan Toussaint, John Simon and Henry Glover assembled a legendary cast of players. to make the songs their own. What And again, like earlier in the show, we are gifted with a revelatory performance of Georgia On My Mind with the band bringing it back down and letting Richard Manuel really soar. The band showed the crowd how flexible they truly were, but also that they can grip an audience even with a slow and quiet ballad. Manuel's vocal is perfect, dripping with emotion. His vocal dexterity is on full display. And Manuel is supported by their friend and former producer john simon who takes over the piano bench garth provides a beautiful and angelic soundscape behind his wall of organs with robbie standing out with his great little flourishes on guitar at the completion of the tune and after the applause you hear someone yell out all right richard with such enthusiasm and that's all that was needed for richard as he cracked a smile
4: Ooh, Old sweet song
0: that keeps you Georgia on my mind.
1: Levon counted the group into Ophelia, a newer number that recalled much of the great effect that the band had with their earlier work. And Howard Johnson, who was behind the tuba, is there right at the beginning, giving the audience these very bombastic, carefree moments. Ophelia the band's opus King Harvest has surely come Manuel enters hard and fast with a gruff vocal take as the rest of the band follows
4: in a field,
1: Interestingly, Manuel stops singing in the second verse and into the chorus, leaving Danko and Helm to pick up some slack before Manuel comes back with a force. Robertson's solo is different here than in the studio effort, the beginning more disjointed and scattered, before Robbie really hits into high gear with more attack as he slides all over the neck of his six string with great effect. next up is probably one of the most defining moments of the band's career. The night they drove old Dixie down was the best they'd ever done the song. It opened with a I wish I was in Dixie-esque riff by the horns, followed by Johnson playing the opening sequence on tuba and Helm coming in, bellowing the lyrics. (laughs) ¶¶
3: Stoneman's cavalry came And they tore up the tracks again In the winter of 65 We were hungry Just a valley of life. By May 10th Richmond had fell
1: I don't know if I'd ever heard Levon sing and play the night they drove old Dixie down better than on this night, Robertson recalled. And Helm concurs, stating that it was perhaps, quote, the best live performance of this song we ever gave. Levon's performance has to go down as one of the finest live renditions of a song of all time. Like never before, Helm was so accurately portraying the character with conviction. You know, we've seen this before with somebody like Richard Manuel, in many instances doing it with his song. With Helm, you believe every single word of the motion that slips off his lips, which just adds so much more to the song. The tenacity in which Helm delivers the vocal, the power behind each drumbeat, really the spontaneity of it all, really makes this version of Dixie something special. Maybe Helm was trying to prove something. Maybe he was trying to say that you're not gonna keep this good old Southern boy down. You're not gonna force him into early retirement. Regardless though, Levon Helm reminds the audience and his fellow band members that he was still the beating heart of the band. And after such a moment as the night they drove old Dixie down, it is followed by an electric performance of stage fright. Danko passionately sings beneath that glowing spotlight and all the focus is now on him. And in addition to playing the intro with intense vigor, Robertson recalls that Hudson performed his solo with just his left hand. And you know, Hudson's all over this track, lurking in the shadows. He doesn't need to be seen to give any song an impact. And again, the addition of the horns create a new level of dramatics that a song like Stage Right needs, and gives a great moment to one of Danko's finest tunes. if that wasn't all, the band finished their solo set with the classically sung Rag Mama Rag. The tune was meant for a party like this, so there really isn't anything exactly groundbreaking or new about this rendition at the last waltz. If anything, this rambunctious number is toned down a little bit here, but I think we can give Helm a little bit of credit here. He had just come off of one of the most defining moments of his career. Let's cut him a little slack. Hey, again though it should be noted that rag mama rag is such a better effort with the horns the syncopations of ragtime style and is accentuated here by the horns and then hudson's shift from the organ to the piano gives the audience their tickets worth It's also fun because we get to see the band move around. Remember, Rag Mama Reg doesn't use Danko's bass, so Howard Johnson actually gives us that much needed low end with the tuba. Exactly like the recorded version, Danko takes up his trusty fiddle, and Richard Manuel takes a seat behind the second drum kit to give the song more of a percussive punch. And while it felt like a whirlwind and everything was moving so quickly, the initial set lasted two hours without a break. But the band didn't stop there and they brought on their first guest, Ronnie Hawkins. This was the first time that Ronnie Hawkins had played with his old band in over a decade. Hawkins relished being up there with the boys that he had mentored along the Southern and Canadian circuits of music back in the day. The Hawk, with much confidence and without much hesitation, breaks into Who Do You Love, a song written by American rock and roll pioneer Bo Diddley. 16 years ago when we started, we started with a guy you
0: might've heard of. We'd like to start with him, the Hawk, Ronnie Hawkins.
1: You know the hawk is a natural performer and brings such bite and aggression to the tune he isn't without a little fun either poking at each band member robertson also reminds his old mentor that he can still shred like nobody's business The rock and roll voodoo doctor dr john followed hawkins walking on stage the bearded pianist and singer wore black shades a black beret a pink bow tie and a checkered jacket after introduction he sat behind richard manuel's piano in many ways dr john's career is similar to the bands he was revered by music connoisseurs and other musicians but remained largely a cult figure in contemporary music shunning the lights of fame and battling a heroin addiction for a large part of his life. Also like the band, he wasn't afraid to back up other artists. Dr. John contributed to dozens of other projects and albums, many involving some of rock and roll's biggest stars. For example, he played piano and sung backing vocals on Rolling Stone's Exile on Main Street, played with Van Morrison, Greg Allman, Ringo Starr, Johnny Winter, and BB King, besides numerous others. And before he even breaks into his track, he utters one of the coolest lines of the concert.
3: Send thankfulness to the band and all the fellas. Two, three, four, one. Such a night. Such a night. Sweet confusion. Under the moon. Such a night, such a night, got to seal away, the time seem right, Baby, your eyes met mine.
1: Dr. John's distinctive and eccentric voice takes us on a trip to the bayou, to the nightclubs and bars of his home city of New Orleans. His piano playing is so delicate and precise and with aiding of the band this version became the defining rendition of such a night. The chorus is infectious. It's repetitive and simple, but that's the best part. And perhaps one of the finest moments of the tune is at the end when Dr. John tickles those keys like nobody's business. Dr. John remained on stage afterwards and accompanied Bobby Charles on Down South in New Orleans. Now Down South in New Orleans was a country bluegrass song originally recorded by Johnny and Jack back in 1953. Robertson recalls that he and Charles had written additional verses which they played during the show. They ended up cutting three of the original verses of the song and keeping one and replacing the others with their own. I want to get loose on Toulouse Street. I want to kiss all the Creole girls I see, drink all day, and dance all night. Do it wrong till I do it right.
3: We make love to the rock of me. I shifted anchor my suitcase back. Got a one-way ticket and back That's Life's a pleasure. I love the dream. Down south in New
1: Orleans. And while Charles' friendship and working relationship was primarily with Danko, The band also shared a great relationship and were crucial for Charles. Unfortunately and regrettably, this performance really doesn't get its due as it was cut from the final version of the film. Following, old friend Paul Butterfield took the stage, playing harmonica and singing along to Mystery Train with Levon Helm. Similar to the lighting on stage right, Scorsese opted for a more darkly lit stage, casting a light on Butterfield and Helm on his drum kit.
3: Up.
2: Hold it! Yes,
1: And with much applause, Muddy Waters took the stage next, accompanied by guitarist Bob Margolin and pianist Pinetop Perkins. They played two songs, with his second Manish Boy making the film. His first song was called Caledonia. Caledonia was first recorded in 1944 by the legendary saxophonist Louis Jordan and the Tympany Five. Jordan recorded it for the Jubilee, a radio show for African American Armed Forces. He later recorded it in 1945 for Decca, his record label. Around the same time, jazz pianist Ralph Burns and bandleader Woody Herman recorded an arrangement of the song, opting for a more jazzy feel as opposed to Jordan's bluesy original. In March of the same year, bandleader Erskine Hawkins released another version of the song. So as you can see, it was quite popular. And despite there being three versions of the same song released at the same time, they were all reasonably successful. The song was covered several other times and including Muddy Waters on the 1975 album, the Muddy Waters Woodstock album. Helm, who played and helped produce the album, was particularly proud of this track. Helm remembers Waters' rendition of the number during the last waltz as being a little shaky, but that was rectified by Waters' subsequent performance of Manish Boy. Caledonia was not included in the film version like Manish Boy, and Kovacs had apparently been turned to turn off his camera like Scorsese ordered. And unfortunately, due to this lack of foresight, a nice moment described by Helm in his book between Waters and himself was not captured from camera.
0: Blues
4: at its most. Muddy Waters. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Caledonia, in their version, is a pure blues song. Pine Top Perkins on piano opens by walking a bass line for the first progression, a duty then taken over by Danko for the remainder of the song. Butterfield complements Perkins' lines by playing harmonica hits on the beats 1 and 3, and Robertson basically does the same thing, though adding a few little flourishes on every beat as well. Hudson adds some more organ over the top, and the song features both Helm and Manuel on the drums. Margolin begins strumming away at the guitar, providing a little bit of stability for Waters, and the progression repeats itself three times before Waters comes in to sing. On the verses, Butterfield plays harmonica with a little bit more freedom, as does Robertson on the guitar. The cohort eventually arrives at the chorus, to which Waters shouts out Caledonia twice, each time followed by a coordinated hit by the musicians.
0: Caledonia! Caledonia!
1: And overall, while instrumentally the song sounded great, vocally, it really kind of pales in comparison to Waters' performance on his next song, Manish Boy. As Margolin later remembers, Manish Boy was always a showstopper. And that Muddy loved the way that Butterfield played on that song, setting up a warble that holds my voice up rather than just playing the song's signature lick. Everything, everything
0: gonna be all right this morning. Oh, yeah. At your age of five My mother said I'm gonna be The greatest man of life But now I'm a man Way past 21 I want you to leave me, woman I have lots of fun I'm a man
1: It's worth really taking a step back and noting the way in which Muddy was a master of his craft, not only leading the band on stage, but the audience. Manish Boy is a subtle burn. It builds slowly for the ultimate payoff, and that's so pleasing. As the song hits the crescendo, Waters screams out, I'm a man. And the band shouts back yeah to answer. You can even hear Pine Top yelling wahoo, which according to Margolin is a line from a politically incorrect joke that Pine had heard on the road and was fond of telling over and over in
0: 1976. Yeah. Yeah. I
2: spell
0: him. <laughs> I think I'm grown. No, be. No. Oh, child. Why? That means man is born. Man, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm a full grown man.
1: and Clapton took the stage next, first playing All Our Past Times from No Reason to Cry. In early 76, as we know, Clapton used Shangri-La to record his album All Our Past Times. The fifth track features the band with Danko sharing vocal duties with Clapton. The song, quote, related to Eric's friendship with Richard Manuel, wrote Helm. And the two of them were going through similar life problems, questioning their relationships and their place in the world. A few months later, Clapton opened his two song set during the last waltz with All Our Past Times. The band supported him with their instruments and manual tapping the piano between vocal lines, Helm on drums, Danko on bass and vocals, Hudson on organ, with Robertson augmenting Clapton on electric guitar. Robertson and Clapton took a solo after each chorus, and Clapton sang another verse before everybody finished with the chorus. All Our Times was sacrificed in the film in favor of Further On, Up the Road, a cover that was originally released in 1957 by Bobby Bluebland. It was an early influential Texas Shuffle and features guitar playing that represents the transition from the 1940s blues style to the 1960s blues rock style.
4: Gonna you like just you wait and see You gotta reap just what you sow.
1: The most iconic moment of the song is when Clapton's guitar strap breaks mid-solo, with Robertson picking up where he left off with ease. ultimately being up there with the band was Clapton's dream. Remember, this is the same guy that wanted to join the band. Later on in the whole affair, Clapton said, "I don't think there will be anything like it ever again. Ever."
4: You got to just what you sow. That is true. You got to just what you sow. That Someone, someone's going to mystery you.
1: Thank you, everybody, for listening to part two of our multi part last waltz episode. Definitely a more abrupt stop than maybe what I first intentioned when I was planning out these episodes, but you know, um, as you may have seen on the Twitter, I was really going to make this a three-part series, but the more I write about it, the more and more info kind of comes out and the more and more episodes and minutes of recording there is. So I think this might be a four-part series on The Last Waltz. We stopped at Clapton here. There's still plenty more to go through at the concert. Following the concert, we will also be doing an episode on the post-production and the filming at the MGM soundstage. So, you know, specific moments like when we talk about Muddy Waters in this episode, I don't mention the one camera angle. We'll get to that during the next you know couple episodes when we're talking more specifically about the film rather than the concert. There's a good distinction there to remember. Oh, on social media, at The Band Podcast, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we put a lot of cool content up there. Also consider joining our Patreon. We put a lot of cool content out there for everybody. Uh, articles, videos from the vaults, opinion pieces, you name it, it's there. Supporting the show helps, you know, make sure it comes out every month or around that time and you get early access to a lot of the episodes and bonus exclusives that are just on patreon so if you want to check that out go to patreon.com slash the band history and there's a couple different tiers so pick the tier that best suits your best suits your financials and uh, consider helping the show so that's it for this episode of the band of history we'll see you very soon for our You know, the ongoing continuous series of us talking about the last ones. So we'll see you later.